Hello. We are so excited that you've decided to join us today via our podcast. There are other ways you can join. You can watch us live on Facebook and YouTube under Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministries or on our website at www.mtdm.org. You can also join us in the sanctuary at 401 North Wright Street in Burgall, North Carolina. The zip code is 28425. If you'd like to give a donation, you can simply go to our website at mtdm.org and click on that donation button. God bless you. God has made us free through his son. Even though he has done everything that need to be done on our behalf, some of us are still stuck. And there's reasons for us being stuck. So I pray today that through this teaching, that we will be unstuck. Amen. We don't have to stay stuck. That's not the plans that God has for us. So, Father, we thank you. We praise you. We acknowledge your presence on today. Because, God, you are here. How do I know that you're here? Because you said you will never leave us, nor shall you forsake us. God, you said you will be with us even until the end. And, God, being that you're here, Being that your presence is here, everything about you is here right now. Your healing is here. Your deliverance is here. Your peace is here. Your joy is here. Everything we need, God is here. And God, we don't have to work for what we already have. God, we can rest in what we have, God. So we receive it right now in the name of Jesus. God, we receive everything that you have provided for us. God, every need in this place has already been met. We're not waiting on it to get met. It's already met right now in the name of Jesus. God, we already healed because your words say, I am the healed of the Lord. Not going to be, but I am the healed of the Lord. Healing belongs to me because you provided that healing for me. So we receive it right now in the name of Jesus. From the top of our heads to the soles of our feet. I call forth healing in Jesus name. I'm not asking for what already belonged to me. But God I call it forth right now in the name of Jesus. I speak healing right now. To every tissue, to every organ, to every cell, to every gland, to every vital sign, to every muscle, to every tendon in our bodies. I command healing in the name of Jesus. I command the blind to see. I command the lame to walk. I command the deaf to hear. I command incurable sicknesses and diseases to be healed. In Jesus' name, I command tumors and growths to disappear right now in the name of Jesus. I say rise up off of your bed of affliction and be healed right now in Jesus' name. God, I thank you right now for total healing, for total restoration, physically, mentally, financially, emotionally, spiritually. In Jesus' name, I call forth right now what belonged to us. In Jesus' name. And I bind every hindering spirit, every mind-boggling spirit that's hindering us from receiving what God has provided for us. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for what you have already done. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in the midst of us right now. In the name of Jesus. Someone is receiving sight. Someone is hearing right now in the name of Jesus. Someone is rising up off of their bed of affliction right now. In the name of Jesus. Thomas and Gross are disappearing right now. In the name of Jesus. God, I thank you. I praise you for it in Jesus name we're not waiting on it because it's done it's already done hallelujah the victory has already been won in Jesus name so we thank you for it God we praise you for it God because it already belongs to us in Jesus name hallelujah I hear the spirit of the Lord say what are you waiting on 
Take hold to what has been given. Hallelujah. What are you waiting on? Take hold to what's been given. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Migraines go right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In Jesus name. Hallelujah, God, we give you glory. Back pain, go in the name of Jesus. Joint pain, go in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, God, we give you glory. Stomach pain, go in the name of Jesus. God, we shoulder pain, knee pain, go in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you. We thank you for the good reports in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to your name. Hallelujah. 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 Glory, I speak to pinch nerves in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, go in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. There's nothing too hard for God in the name of Jesus. Is there anything too hard for me, says God? Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, glory to your name. Glory to your name, God. We give you glory. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open unto you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will and it shall be done. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, God. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you and I praise you, God, that it's already done. Thank you for restoration in this house. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Now, Father, I thank you for my helper and my teacher, which is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, lead us, guide us into all truth. Open our eyes and allow us to see the wonderful things out of your law. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge of you. Thank you that the eyes of our understanding is being enlightened on today. That we may know what is the hope of your calling and the riches of your glory of your inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe according to the working of your mighty power. Which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in heavenly places. God, I thank you. I thank you that we are seated with you in heavenly places and we can take rest because of the position, God, that you have us in, God. The work is finished, God. It's already done. We can rest in you. Hallelujah. We can rest in the finished work. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. We give you glory. And now, God, I thank you that I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives on the inside of me. And you shall get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise on today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. We thank God for his presence, amen. Open your Bibles to the book of Genesis. Chapter 19, and let's hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say unto the church. Amen. And we will begin at verse 12. Genesis 19. Beginning at verse 12. And I am reading out the expanded Bible. The Word of God now reads. The two men said to Lot, do you have any other relatives in this city? Anyone else here? Do you have any son-in-laws, sons, daughters, or any other relatives? If you do, tell them to leave now. Get them out of this place. Because we are about to destroy this city place. 
The Lord has heard of all the evil that is here. Great is the outcry against them before the Lord. So he has sent us to destroy it. I'm going to stop right there because I want to elaborate there and move on. You may be seated. I'm still talking about I am stuck. I am stuck. To be stuck means unable to move from a particular position or place. Unable to move from a particular position or place. When the Lord had given me this um, being um, stuck, the Lord was letting me know it's a lot of people that are stuck in the body of Christ. Even though we are born again, even though we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior, we can become stuck and don't even realize that we're stuck because we're used to the place or position we're in. Let me say it again. Even though you may be born again, even though you may have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can be stuck in some situations. You can be stuck in a place or position and not even be aware of it. Why? Because you're so used to it. But some of us do realize we stuck, but we feel like we have to stay in that place. And I'm here to tell you today, you do not have to stay where you are because that's not where God positioned you. You do not have to stay where you are for that. That is not where God positioned you. We're talking about Lot here and we're talking about his family. And we know what happened to Lot. Lot chose Sodom and Gomorrah. He looked over there and he saw how good that land looked and that's what he chose. But Abraham, because he knew the Lord, because he was in fellowship with him, Abraham told him, if you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. Why? Because Abraham knew wherever the soles of his feet would tread, he would possess that land. No matter where he went, God was going to be with him and he would have whatever he needed. So he gave Lot a choice. So Lot chose that place. And in that place, it was homosexuality going on. It was sin going on in that place. So God um, was not going to tell Abraham at first what was going on, but he did end up telling Abraham because he was a man that was really after the heart of God. So God ended up telling Abraham. Abraham ended up interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. But, you know, he was saying at the end, if there's five righteous in that city. So he even went down to five being righteous in that city will you spare that city and God said if there are five righteous in that city I will spare that city so when they go into the city we know Lot invited them into his home because those men were after those other men when he invited them in his home they came young and old surrounded his home to say bring them out to us we want to have intimacy with them we want to be intimate with them Lot say no take my daughters do unto them as you will who does that he was giving up his two daughters because he was trying to protect those men that was in his home but he knew who those men represented y'all got to catch this thank you Holy Ghost God done answered that those men were representing God Those men were sent by God. So what Lot was doing, he was putting God even above his children. Come on, somebody. There go your answer. Can we put our God above our children? Just look at your neighbor say, I ain't got there yet. And say, to be honest, I don't know when I'm going to get there. You're stuck. Look at your neighbor and say, you're stuck. Because if anybody knocked on your door, ain't none of you men going to give up your daughters. You're going to start shooting first. But see, Lot knew what those men were about. He knew that those men were coming on behalf of God. So he knew God was above his family. And that's what we got to know. We're stuck, y'all. We're stuck in between family and God. God has to be first and he has to be foremost. Won't he do it? So this is what he did. Those two men, when they came in there and they pulled Lot back in the house because they were going to attack Lot. They put blindness on those men. And y'all, as I'm talking, you can see why they wandering everywhere, couldn't even find the door 
to go in and do what they wanted to do. And then when we get to verse 12, the two men said to Lot, do you have any other relatives in the city? Look at this. When you get saved, God will save your whole house. He said, do you have any other relatives in this city? Look at that. God was giving Lot an opportunity to even pull some more out that Lot knew. Look at that. God is a merciful God. He's a loving God. He said, do you have any more relatives in this city? Anyone else here? Do you have any son-in-law, sons, daughters, or any other relatives? Look at this. Because of Lot, they could come out. Because of you, your family don't have to be lost. It don't matter what they're doing or how they're doing it. God made you a promise. If I save you, I will save your whole house. Because God said, I don't want anyone to be lost. I want all to come to the knowledge of the truth. I want to save. I want to deliver. I want to set free. God want all men to be saved and come to what? The knowledge of the truth. First Timothy 2, 4. So he asked him, do you have any? Then this is the part that stuck with me. If you do, tell them to leave now. Get them out of this place. See, they were stuck in a place and God said, they don't have to be stuck. I want to use you as a mouthpiece and I want you to go proclaim this good news. I want you to go proclaim that I'm a deliverer. I come to save you. I come to rescue you. I come to deliver you. You don't have to stay in this wicked place. Come on, God gives us mercy. And he sends us with his mercy, with his goodness. For us to tell others about him. God didn't only save me. He saved you. Because he want all men to be saved. It don't matter what you did or how you did it. It don't even matter what you're doing now. I come to take you out of this place that you're stuck in. I come to take you out of this position. Come on, we need to quit making people feel condemned. Because of what they said or what they did. Come on, love conquers a multitude of sin. It don't matter what they said to you or how they said it to you. Love is greater than what they said. Mm. You got to go beyond what people say. That's why he said if they slap you on one side, turn over and let them slap you on the other. You got to go way beyond that slap. Hmm. See, our problem is we stuck on stubbornness. We stuck on pride. We stuck on, look what they said to me. So what, what, who cares what they said? Love is greater than what they said. We still talking about being stuck. He said, tell them to leave now. Get out of this place. We supposed to be the ones going to people to say, you don't have to be stuck in this place. You can leave now. God has already made a way. The door is open. Only thing you got to do is walk through it. And then when they begin to talk about everything that they did and how they did it, God, he took care of all of that. He took care of your past, your present, your future sins. He's given you an opportunity to come. Come. Then he said, because we are about to destroy this city. Get them out of this place. God don't want people to be left behind. Even your worst enemies, he don't want them to be left behind. This is why God gave us in his word that when there is anything that go on between us, we supposed to go to one another. Why? We supposed to resolve this. We don't supposed to leave it out there. That's being stuck. The Lord has heard of all the evil that's here. Great is the outcry against them before the Lord, so he has sent us to destroy it. But he gave Lot the opportunity. Bring your relatives. Get your relatives out. Verse 14. It says, so Lot went out and said to his future son-in-laws, look at what Lot had to do. When the word of the Lord came to Lot, Lot had to be obedient to the word of God. 
He had to go do what God was telling him to do. So Lot went out and said to his future son-in-law, who were pledged to marry his daughters, hurry and leave this city. Get up and get out of this place. The Lord is about to destroy it. But they, his son-in-laws, thought Lot was joking. Let's stop right there. I'm going to tell you what the problem was with Lot. The life you live, it's going to speak for you. Now, why would those men think Lot was joking? Just like someone might think we're joking when we come to their house and begin to talk about this is going to happen or that's going to happen when your talk has never been like that before. So why would they want to believe you now? Why would they want to go with you now? They thought Lot was joking. So how was Lot coming at them before? Have you ever thought about that? They thought he was joking. But he he was giving them an opportunity to come. And guess what? They would not come. God give all of us a choice. Once somebody bring you the word, bring you the truth, it's up to you to take it. If you do not take it, the blood is off of their hands. Whether he thought Lot was joking or or not, he should have took Lot serious to say, okay, something is happening in the city. He's coming to forewarn me. Even though he may have thought that, he should have trusted Lot. Then verse 15, at dawn the next morning, as morning dawned, the angel's messengers begged, urged Lot to hurry. They said, go, take your wife, your two daughters with you, so you will not be destroyed, swept away when the city is punished. But listen at this verse 16. But Lot, can somebody say, but Lot? lot. Say it again, but Lot. lot. Say, but me. me. Delayed, lingered. Why would Lot delay? Why would he linger after those angels told him not once but twice maybe three times this is what's going to get ready to happen but you're lingering because lot was stuck too why linger in a place that you know is full of sin that god is getting ready to destroy why would he linger why do we linger when god tell us not to do something but we linger because we second guess god How many of us have lingered? How many of us have delayed when God has sent somebody to you to tell you, don't do this, don't do that, and they're telling you truth, but you're still lingering in what you want to do because you're stuck. So when the Lord showed me that, Lot did linger. He did delay what these angels were saying unto him. So the two men had to take So the two men took, grabbed, seized the hands of Lot and his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out the city. Come on, they had to actually grab them and lead them out the city. How many of us have went to people and literally had to grab hold to them and say, don't you understand? Don't you see what God is saying to you? They had to bring them out the city. Because Lot was still lingering in the city. He was still delayed, lingering. I'm going to say it again. How many of us this morning lingered? How many of us lingered to come into the house of God? There was a delay. We laid there a little longer trying to second guess, should I come today or should I not? How many of us lingered? Uh Uh-oh. Well, Lord, I can just watch it live. (laughs) We all linger sometime when God tells us to do something. We linger. There's a delay with us because we second guess God. And that's what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to second guess God so we can get stuck in that place or that position. He wants us stuck in so he can use us so he can be glorified. So it says in verse 18, well, let me go here. So the Lord was merciful to Lot and his family. After they brought them out of the city, one of the men said, run, flee for your lives. Don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley or plain. Run to the mountain or you will be destroyed, swept away. But this is what Lot said in 18. But Lot said to one of them, sir, please don't force me to go so far. Oh, no, my Lord. Now check this. 
if those were representatives of God and they're telling him flee to the mountain, <laughs> you know, get out of the city. Lot said, wait a minute, that's too far for me to run. <laughs> How many of us would be Lot? That's too far. You, I might get destroyed before I get there. Duh. He ain't going to do nothing until you get there. He came to bring you out of this city. Why do you think he's going to blow it up and you haven't got to a place of safety? So Lot had, he lingered first. <laughs> then he's going to tell him that's too far for me to run. <laughs> Then he said, you have been merciful. Your servant have found grace in your eyes and kind to me. You have shown great kindness to me and have saved my life. But I can't run. Flee to the mountain. The disaster would catch me. And I would die. Hold up, stop, wait a minute. These are representatives of God. They come to bring them out the city. So he already knew how fast he could run. But he's going to tell him, I cannot run that fast. It'll catch me before I get where I'm going. Okay. And I will die. He said, look, that little town over there, it's not too far away, near enough to flee to. Let me run there. It's really just a little town, and I'll be safe there. My life will be spared, saved and spared. So he wanted to still do like he wanted to do. Lot was still stuck, y'all. Because remember, he wanted to go to Sodom and Gomorrah. He wanted what he wanted. Look here, God still gave him mercy, even though he wanted what he wanted, right? Come on, God's mercy, his goodness is still running after us when we cut the food. God ain't going to take that back. It's undeserved, unearned, unmerited. That's grace. Grace is what saved us. We didn't save ourselves. For by grace are we saved through faith, not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. We didn't have to do nothing to get what God gave us, but sit and rest in what he have already done. Just take your seat in your position and rest in what God has already done. That means the work is over. It is finished. We rest in everything he's done. That's why we need to know what he has done so we can sit and we can rest. See, rest looked like this. The priests, they had to work in that temple. They could never sit down. They had to always work dealing with the sins of the people. But when Jesus, the high priest, came and he finished the work, he sat on the right hand of the Father. The work was finished. It was done. He didn't have to keep standing up. He just sat down. He took rest in what the Father was done. That's why Jesus said, the Father's always at work in me. He knew what the Father had done, so he knew he didn't have to do nothing but rest in what the Father done. And that's why you saw the healings, the deliverances. That's why you saw everything, because he allowed God to work in him and through him. And that's when you saw the life and the glory of God. So what do we do? We like Lot. We're trying to tell God what we want. And the angels are saying, take rest in what God said. God has already saved you. It don't really matter where you go. You already saved, delivered, healed, and set free. I just want you to grab hold of that. See, once we grab hold to what we have in him, we can rest. That's why when God created the heavens and the earth and he did everything like he wanted it to do, he made the seventh day a day of rest because everything ceased. He didn't have to do nothing no more. He took rest. Are we at rest now? Are we really resting in the finished work or are we trying to work it out? Are we trying to get something done on our own? God want us to rest in what he's already done. Rest in me, we're seated right with Jesus. Hmm. 
Then it said in verse 21, the angel said to Lot, very well. We talked about where he told him to go. Very well, I will allow you to do this also. Show you this favor. Lift up your face. I will not destroy that town, overthrow that town of which you speak, but run there fast because I cannot destroy Sodom. Do anything until you are safely in that town. Y'all, y'all better rest on that one. Because of the blood of Jesus that he shed on Calvary for us, the enemy cannot touch us because we're safe. And it says that town is named Zor because it is little. That's why they called the town Zor because it was little. Now listen at verse 23. The sun had already come up. Risen over the earth where Lot entered Zor, the Lord sent a rain of burning sulfur, sulfur and fire down from the sky, heaven on Sodom and Gomorrah and destroyed, overturned those cities. He also destroyed, overturned the whole Jordan Valley. Everyone living in the city and all the, and and even all the plants. I want to stop there because this is hell. See, Sodom and Gomorrah represented a place which is hell. God gave them opportunity after opportunity to change. They knew what was right, but they continually done what was not right. It was not like they didn't know. They knew. Just like us, we know the difference of right and wrong. Before we got saved, we knew the difference. So God gave them an opportunity. They didn't take that opportunity, but God was saving the ones, saving the ones that I'll say us, the ones that are born again. But he ended up raining fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah. He blew it up. He blew it up because it was sin there. Anyone who want to continually stay in sin, this is what's going to happen. God gave him a choice. He was merciful unto them. Don't be trying to agree with somebody that's doing something outside of the will of God. Do not tell them they're going to heaven. That's not what the Bible says. It tells you fornicators, adulterers, liars, murderers. It gives you a list of people that have not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior and that continue in their sin. There is a place that was not made for them. It was made for the devil. God gave them an opportunity. They didn't take it. So that's where they're going to be. Do not put them in heaven when they're living in hell. You don't do that. You know the life that they live. You know what they chose to do. They had the word of God given to them just like anybody else. But they chose not to accept it just like these people in Sodom and Gomorrah. We need to quit lying to people, Christian folk. Quit lying to people and telling them, well, if you pray to God, change will come. That's if your heart is open. That's if your heart is willing and ready to say, God, here I am. Here I am, God. God, I recognize and I acknowledge that without what your son did, God, I would be nothing and can do nothing. So here I am, God, I open up my heart to you. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior because I realize I can't save myself. I can't do it for myself no more. Y'all, just because somebody is living a life that looked like it's right, if they haven't accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, it's not right. It's not. So in verse uh, 26, this is where I want to go. At that point, Lot's wife looked back. When she did, she became a pillar of salt. Why did Lot's wife look back now? She was coming out of Sodom. She was coming out of a place of death. God was giving her life. She looked back because she was stuck. That's where she had been for so many years that she was stuck in that place. And she could not leave that place. So she looked back. They told them, do not look back. 
See, when you stuck in a place, you always go back to that place. Some of us may, you know, act like we okay. Some of us may act like that we have forgiven one another. We don't have grudges no more. We don't have no animosity no more. We try to hide that. But eventually it's going to come out. God knows your heart. You are stuck. And we have to deal with those things that have us stuck because it's keeping us from moving the way God wants us to be moved for him. It's taking us out of position. God does not want us stuck in these places. And Luke 9, 62, it says, no one, Jesus was speaking, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back to the things behind is fit for the kingdom of God. See, when you know what God has given you, when you are in fellowship with him, when you know God for who he is, you don't want to look back. Come on, somebody. When you truly know God, you don't want to do the things you used to do no more. You don't want to cover up something to be something that you're not no more. You don't want to go along with somebody that's wrong no more because you truly know God. When you know God, you don't look back. You move forward. Paul said he leave those things that are behind. He moved forward. He pressed towards the mark of the high calling, which is in who? Christ Jesus. Look at your neighbor say, I am stuck. Some of you don't want to realize that you're stuck. Let me help you out. If you got the same pattern, that same pattern keeps popping up all the time, you stuck. The enemy got you stuck. This is how it works. You can look at somebody and smile at them, tell them that you love them, tell them that you're there for them. But deep down in your heart, you hate them, you stuck. But you acting like a hypocrite, like you love them so much. But deep down inside, you are cringing. I wish they'd get out of my face. I wish they wouldn't say nothing to me. As long as they don't talk, I'm all right. But when they open their mouth, something just come all over me like I want to just strangle them to death. You're stuck. Part of that is being stuck in anger. It's being stuck in selfishness. Come on, we're talking about being stuck. Where you cannot move at a particular place or a particular position. Or there's a situation that you're stuck in. And God gave me an illustration. You know how sometimes you go in the mud and you get stuck. And you're thinking, okay, I I can get myself out. I don't need no help. So you give it a little more gas and you keep giving a little more gas and the mud begin to just go everywhere, everywhere, right? This is what happened with us. When we go into things that God tell us not to go into and we don't recognize those things, we get deeper and deeper in those things. We recognize it, but we don't want to let it go. So what happens, that darkness is just slung everywhere. People that in the spirit, they can see you coming. They can see darkness coming. They can see that you're in a place where you're stuck and you need help getting out of that place. But some of us, we're so stuck. We don't want people to know where we are because we feel ashamed of where we are. You don't have to feel ashamed. When you are stuck in a situation, God will send somebody to help pull you out. He won't leave you in that place. But when they come to help pull you out, you have to recognize I'm stuck. I keep going into the same situation, but I don't understand why I keep going in the same situation. It ain't always the other person. It could be you. So you got to look at you. And you got to ask the Holy Spirit, search me. I keep falling prey to the same area and I don't understand why I'm falling prey to the same area. What's going on with me, Lord? You're stuck. And the enemy want to keep you in that place because he want to be glorified through you. He don't want God to be glorified. Then the Lord began to show me this. When you have, I'm going to go back to Egypt. We always go back to Egypt. Y'all remember over there in Egypt and how God raised up Moses to bring the people out because they were stuck in bondage. He heard the cry of the people. The cry that he heard was where the enemy was oppressing the people. And this is why the enemy was oppressing them, y'all. There was another king that came on, Pharaoh. 
Pharaoh recognized that the people were growing. They were multiplying. He said they're going to be stronger than we are. Then they're going to join with the other armies and then they're going to come and attack us. So this is what we have to do. We're going to, um, you know, put all this labor on them. We're going to do all these things to them. And then they're going to know we're in control. Y'all check this out. The enemy always have a plan. He know greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. But he said, I got to get something on you to keep you stuck. He said, because I know that you're greater than me. But I want you to think that I'm greater than you. So what he did, he put hard labor on these people. He put hard labor on the people. He told them to kill the the males that were going to be born. Y'all know all that. But the hard labor he put on them, it oppressed the people. He had the people building him cities. This is how a stronghold is built. It's built through your thoughts. A stronghold is a fortress in your mind. It's a wall that's built up in your mind, dealing with your thoughts, which comes from your weaknesses. The enemy find out your weaknesses and he holds you in bondage by keep bringing these things to you, letting you know you're just like your daddy. You ain't going to be nothing. Nobody like you. You're not beautiful. You're not going to have nothing. He want rejection to be there and he holds you behind a wall. So he's building these fortresses up in our minds. And when he build them up in your mind, you're stuck there. And seem like when you try to come out, you cannot come out of that place. The more you try to come out, seem like the harder it gets. You're stuck. But God always have a way of escape. And that way was through Jesus. So these people had hard labors. They put burdens on them that they could not bear. And by them doing this, it kept them in a weak mind, a weak mindset. But guess what God did? He sent them a deliverer. He sent Moses, just like he sent Jesus to us, y'all. Jesus has given us everything we need for us not to be stuck in the situations that we are stuck in. God said it's time for his people to come out of bondage because God has delivered you. You are no more slaves to sin. Jesus done away with sin once and for all. Sin was separating us from God when Jesus died. He did away with past, present, and future sins. Sin ain't the problem. The problem is people not accepting what Jesus have already done. Sin was done away with. So why are we stuck in these sins? The reason why we're stuck is because the enemy used our weaknesses. He said, even though you get born again, even though you accept him, he said, I got something on you. And each time you try to move forward in the things of God, you're going to be stuck. You're going to be stuck with rejection. You're going to be stuck with depression. You're going to be stuck with oppression. You're going to be stuck with fornication, idolatry, lust. You're going to be stuck with these things because you were in the world, y'all. And you learned the ways of the world. This is why your mind got to be renewed to who you are now that you're in Christ. Because if you're not renewing your mind, you're going to continually be stuck. You can apologize all you want. But if you don't get unstuck, you're going back to the same place you were. You can say, I'm sorry all you want. But until you get unstuck, you're going to still be angry. You're going to still be talking about people. You're going to still be hating on people. Why? Because you stuck. See, you got saved, born again in your spirit. That's the real you. But your soul is still stuck in a place and in a position that it needs to come out of so it can connect with your spirit so your body will follow. If you grew up with anger, if you grew up with hurt, if you grew up in molestation, if you grew up in a way that was not right, when you get born again in order for you to come out of that place in your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotion, you got to renew your mind according to the word and not according to the world. 
That's why the Bible said, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will prove what the good and acceptable will of God is for your life. If you grew up in a house that was full of sin, molestation, homosexuality, the enemy is going to take that and pull you into that and make you think that's who you are. And that's what you're supposed to be. But when God link you up with somebody and they tell you the truth, you will begin to know the truth and then the truth will make you free and say I don't have to live that way because that's not the place or the position God has the church is in a place of being stuck and trying to tell people how to live but stuck because we're not taking the time to know our new identity To know who we are now that we're in Christ. Do you know why we're still hurting over the past? Because we ain't let go of it. We're holding on to it because we feel like if I hold on to this, nobody won't hurt me again. If I do this, if I do that, I won't be hurt again. But when you know that you're seated with Christ, you can rest. And it ain't about nobody hurting you or doing nothing to you. You know your real identity. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You can get over that hurt by knowing I am forgiven. So if I am forgiven, I can forgive them. I am chosen. I have been accepted in the beloved. I have been adopted. I am sanctified. I am justified. When you know who you are, you will not hold on to your past. That's the problem with the church. We're bringing the past in the church and we put up walls. And people can't come but so far. But when we know who we are, we love people based on God's love, not based on us. I can't love you. That's why I ask God to help me to love you. Because if I try to love you, I end up hating you. So that's why when people get on your, as they say, last nerve, you have to know you got more than one. This is why you got to count on him and not on you. That's how you can get unstuck. We have to remember God has made the way through Jesus. Our life is in him. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who live in me. I don't live according to me. I live according to him because I have been crucified with Christ. Old things have passed away. The old man is dead. The body of sin is dead. So I live according to who I am now that I'm in Christ. And I allowed him to help me. Because I can't do it myself. So that's how you get unstuck. If you truly really want to be unstuck. I'll say this. If you're truly born again. And things keep keep hitting you and hitting you and you know they're not right. That's when you keep going to the Holy Spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, this ain't right. That's how you know you're really safe. When you keep crying out to God and say, God, help me. This ain't right. I shouldn't be acting this way. I shouldn't be talking this way. I shouldn't be going into these places that you don't want me to go in. God, I need some help. I can't do it by myself. God, I'm stuck, but I know you can bring me out of this place. And that's when God said, oh, oh, she in total surrender. Now I can step in and I can give you what you want. Because I know deep down inside, you don't want to lay with that man. You don't want to lay with that woman. You don't want to lie no more you don't want to come on somebody God knows your heart he looks at your heart we get in places sometimes we mess up God already know when we're going to mess up but he already paid the price for that he paid the price for us messing up y'all if you want to be unstuck you can be unstuck but you got to let go of you you got to admit God I am stubborn God, I am rebellious. That's me. But that's not who I am now that I'm in you. 
Come on, you have to let go and let God. God reminded me of something in the Bible. Y'all know when they come out of Egypt. And when they come out of Egypt, they were happy because they come out. They were out of that oppression and that bondage. But guess what? It was not out of them. The enemy still had a hold on them. How do we know the enemy had a hold on them? Because when they looked up and they saw Pharaoh coming, they were greatly afraid. They began to panic. That's how you know the enemy has a hold on you in some area when panic come, when fear come, when dread come. And all of a sudden you feel like you're paralyzed, feel like you can't move. The enemy has something on you. But this is what happened. They began to talk about what was still in them. If you had not brought us out here to die, didn't we tell you to leave us in Egypt? So see, they had to blame who? They were playing the blame game, just like in Genesis. Everybody was blaming somebody, except taking responsibility for yourself. And what they should have said was, God, you brought us out. It was our choice whether or not we want to come out and not choose to come out. And now that I'm out, God, I still know that you're here to heal, deliver, and set me free. So, God, I thank you. But they began to blame who? Moses. For bringing them out. But guess what Moses did? Moses told him what? Fear thou not, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord. Those that you see today, you will not see no more. The first thing he said is fear not. Why? Because fear was there. Moses was getting them unstuck. For what he saw there with the people. But throughout their journey, they still had some things that would pop up, did they not? So when they got used to Moses leading them, you know, on their journey, Moses went up to be with the Lord. And when Moses went up to be with the Lord, what ended up happening? Go to Exodus 32. We're talking about being stuck. What you're used to, you will go back to. What you're used to, you're going to go back to. He said in 32, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, they gathered together to Aaron and said to him, up, make us gods to go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So where did they get this notion? Up, make us gods. They were in Egypt. Egypt had all kind of gods. So they said, Moses ain't here no more. Make us a god. Come on, make us a dumb idol. Make us an idol idol that cannot talk and cannot move. Come on, did that make sense? So this is what Aaron did. So Aaron replied, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought it to Aaron. And y'all know what he did. He fashioned a golden calf, carved it. Then Aaron said, He built an altar before it, and Aaron Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. Now, what kind of foolishness is that? So this is what they begin to do. This is what I'm saying. They were stuck. Remember, they come out of Egypt, but Egypt didn't come out of them. And they rose up early. Come on, y'all. They rose up early. The next day and offered burnt offerings and bought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. The Lord said to Moses, go down for your people. It's Moses' people. Ain't that funny? Your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside, listen at this, quickly. Out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molden calf. So what God was telling Moses was, he was letting Moses know what the people were doing. Moses wasn't even there. God was letting Moses know what these people were doing. He said, and they turned aside quickly. How can you turn aside so quick? It's because what's in you is going to come out of you. And I want to say this. When what's in you come out of you, give God glory. You don't run from it. You say, God, I thank you for showing me what I yet didn't see. Now I can deal with it according to the word. Some of y'all feel like y'all are so better than somebody else. If something show up in you, you get so depressed. Oh, Lord, that's not me. Lord, where did this come from? Surely, Lord, that's not me. Oh, Lord, that's not me. Yes, it's you. Deal with it because it's getting in your way. 
of doing what God deal with what the Holy Spirit is showing you. Did you not forget? You asked him, show me, Lord, if there's any wicked way in me. Search me. Now he's searching you and boom, bam, there it is. And now you're saying, oh, that's not me. That must have been who I was around yesterday. Let me pray for them. See, that's a form of pride. Because you're making yourself better than somebody else. Have you ever heard the Holy Spirit speak to you and you say, who that, Lord? Lord, surely that's not me. Give me a name. I'll begin to pray. You don't want to accept what God has showed you about you. He's showing you what's getting in the way of him doing what he need to do in your life. He said, just get rid of it. He said, I already paid the price for it. Just get rid of it. You're getting angry too quick. You're angry. You're being anger. Having anger is off the chain. You need to find out why are you getting so angry? You stuck somewhere in a place. You can pray all you want, but if you ain't listening to the Holy Spirit to find out where it's coming from, you're going to do the same thing over and over again. Why are you hating on people so quick? It don't take you nothing but a minute to hate on somebody. It don't take you nothing but a second to bite somebody. What's going on? You're stuck. And God wants you to come out of that place that you're in of being stuck. So Moses was there to help them to come out of that place. He was interceding for them. Church, it's time for us to intercede one for another. It's time for us to say, Lord, help me so I can help that person. To come out of the place that they're stuck in. God, they don't realize that they're stuck. God, open their eyes and allow them to see that they're stuck in that place. And that's not where you want them to be. God, I have given them the word, but they're not accepting this word. They're looking at me like it's me. But God, I lay them before you, God. And begin to quote scriptures according to who they are now that they're in Christ. They are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we can become unstuck, y'all, if we want to become unstuck. The word will help us to become unstuck. But we have to find out the areas that we're stuck in. God said, I don't want you to be stuck. I want you to be whom I have called you to be. I want you to be in the position that I have called you to be in. If you're stuck in your marriage, some of us can be stuck in a marriage. And people can look at the marriage like it's off the chain. I wish I had a marriage like that. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't know what people go through in their own house. You don't know how that man tempted to sneak up at night and try to choke that woman. But it was for the grace of God that he didn't. People are stuck in some places. They're crying out to God and God is giving them a way of escape, but they're staying in that place because that's where they think they need to be. God do not want you treated any kind of way. In marriage, it don't matter where it is, but he wants you to be healed where you've been hurt. He's come to heal the brokenhearted. He's come to bind up all of their wounds. Let God do what he need to do in your life so you can get unstuck. So you can help somebody else get unstuck and let them know you don't have to be in the place that you're in. God has come to heal you where you hurt. It's time to be unstuck. It's time to let go of unforgiveness. It's time to let go of anger. It's time to let go of hurt. Y'all, what's happened has happened. You can't change that, but you can go into the word of God and be whom God has called you to be in Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm tired of being stuck. Say, for real, I'm tired of being stuck. Say, I don't want to die like this. Because guess what? Physically, by you being stuck, you already dead. That's death. Y'all didn't know? Some of, y'all, some of us say we're living a life for God, but actually we're not. We're in darkness. And God does not want us in darkness. He wants us in the light. We're supposed to be bold as lions. Amen? So God said this is a day for you to become unstuck. So whatever you're dealing with, Jesus already dealt with it. Jesus have already made a way of escape for us. There were some lepers. We went over this last week in 2 Kings, the the 7th chapter. 
These lepers, it was a, fa- a famine in the land. They said, if we stay in the city, we die. <laughs> if we go outside the city, we die. And let me put it like they put it. If we enter the city, then the famine is in the city. We shall die there. If we st- sit here, we shall die. So now come, let us go over to the army of the Sir- Cyrenians. If they spare us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall die. They had a choice. God has given all of us choices. The choice today is, if you want to stay stuck, stay stuck. But if you want to be unstuck, it's going to take the word of God. It's going to take knowing who you are now that you're in Christ. It's going to take knowing who he is now that you're in Christ. And I guarantee you, when you get to know him the way he wants to be made known, you will not stay stuck. Because when you get to know his love, oh my goodness, love covers every sin that you could imagine. So God say, come out of the place that you're in. You don't have to be in that place. Amen. Sometimes we come out of places that think that's going to help us to be unstuck. I'm going to go back to marriage. Sometimes we will leave a marriage because we say we're stuck. I'm stuck with a fool. <laughs> but even if you leave that fool, you're still stuck because you might end up with another fool. Why am I saying that? Because if you don't get yourself where you need to be, you're going to have a, a multitude of fools. <laughs> this is for real. Y'all can laugh. Because wherever you go, that's where your mess is going. If you don't get that stuff cleared up that's in you, you're going to take it everywhere you go and ruin somebody else's life and say it's their fault when it's actually yours. Because if God truly sent you a man or woman to love you the way God wants you to be loved, you wouldn't be able to accept that love because you stuck. You stuck in that past marriage. You stuck on how that man or that woman treated you in that past marriage. So no matter what they do, it ain't good enough. Or you may be in a marriage where the man or the woman is loving you. But you can't receive that love because you never knew what love is. Because you didn't have a father or mother to love you the way you needed to be loved. You always felt rejected. So the more love they give you, the more hate you give them. Am I speaking to somebody? Because you were hated. You want them to feel some of that hate. You want them to be treated like you were treated. You mistreating them because that's the way you grew up and that's the way you think a marriage should be. In order for you to be a man, you can't let nobody tell you nothing. Because when a woman tells you something, that's less of being a man. No, that woman is there to help you. That woman is your helpmate to help you not be a fool. Do y'all remember Nabal? He was a fool. They went to get help from Nabal. David men went to get help because they needed food. Nabal, is that his name? That means fool. Look it up in the Bible. He wouldn't give him nothing. So when his wife went to him to tell Nabal, which was fool. Look it in the Bible. To give them something, he still wouldn't give it to him. David was already coming with his men to kill him. But the wife stopped him. And that fool ended up dying. That was his name. Nabal mean fool. Do you know how many times we have been fools? All of us. Because we want to do things like we want to do it. Not the way God wanted it to be done. And we're calling somebody else a fool. So we can be on our high horses and don't want to come down. That's because we're stuck in pride. Where pride is, there will be a fall. You can get so stuck in your stuff that you get way up there in age. Nobody can tell you nothing. Because you're so stuck on what you believe for so long. Your heart has become hard. And people ain't telling you the truth when it's truth. It's a lot of us that's stuck. The first thing we got to admit is, God, I'm stuck. You didn't send this person for no reason. 
So, Lord, what's going on with me? Check me, Lord, and see what's going on with me. Sometimes we can run our mouth too much. And don't even realize we run our mouth too much. And as Kathy would say, throw the rock, hide the hand. A lot of us throwing rocks and hiding in one man. And then you throw another rock. So what I'm saying today, what God is saying to his people, it's time for the church to become unstuck. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Some of you are stuck on position. And think you got to have a title or position to be whom God has called you to be. Now you don't because everybody ain't getting that um, five-fold title. Everybody ain't going to have that. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, some, not all. That means he ain't going to make everybody in the church part of no fivefold. It takes all of us to make up the body of Christ. All of us make up the body of Christ. Some of us are stuck so much on position. We trying to make up the body by ourselves. You cannot do it. Every joint supplies. You can't be all the hands and the feet, the toes, the eyes. You can't be all that. God has set people in his body to make up one body. So we can be one in Christ. So the one that you may think you are, you may not be because you stuck on something somebody lied to you about and told you you were this when God said that's not what I called you to be. So you can mess up a congregation because you think you're supposed to be something that God ain't called you to be. You stuck on tradition. That prophet told me I was a prophet. <laughs> to be a mouthpiece from God, you got to keep your mouth off everybody else. A prophet bring the word of the Lord. Not bring the gossip to the people. So the church is stuck. And with the help of the Lord, I'm going to get the church unstuck. Whether I'm hated or not, we got to be unstuck to carry out this great commission. That's the first and foremost thing we're supposed to be doing. Carrying out this great position, commission. So God's saying, come out from amongst them. Be ye separated. So you can become unstuck. And that's why some of us can't get unstuck. Because we sticking around the wrong folk. Say Lord. Lord, I thank you. That I do not. Have to stay. In this position. Or place. Because. Of Jesus Christ. I am. Unstuck and not stuck. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise. Time to come out. Amen. Tiffany, I need to do this because the Lord is bringing this back to me again. Stand right here in the middle. Athea. Wasn't that an inspiring message? Thanks for listening to the end. Join us every Tuesday for Bible study and every Sunday for service. We're looking forward to hearing from you as well. Feel free to reach out to us via the website at www.mtdm.org. God bless you and we'll see you next time.